630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Greetings, citizens of Earth. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Game two of the World Series about to get underway. We will keep you updated. The Dodgers took game one last night while they were playing. Man, we had a great conversation with Jesse Agler, the play-by-play voice of the San Diego Padres. He was absolutely awesome to talk to. The news today, the Edmonton Oilers re-signing, well, pardon me, actually signing uh, defenseman Chris Russell to a one-year contract extension. Didn't really see this one coming, but here's what we're looking at. It's a one-year deal for Russell. Now, he's already under contract for one more year with an average annual value of $4 million. So the extension takes him through the 21-22 season. Uh, Not a big contract, $1.25 million. So not a ton of money there to keep Russell around for one more year. And I'm pleased to know what uh, you think of this tonight. And we can discuss 780-496-0063, the number to call or text. We're going to break it down here in the next few minutes. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on Oilers and Double E Radio 630 Ched. Speaking of the Double E, A.J. Gass, former linebacker with the team, now special teams coordinator. He'll check in later on tonight. He is keeping busy, but missing competitive football as we move through the fall. We'll also catch up with Pierre Maguire, analyst for the NHL on NBC. He'll tell you what he thinks of Kyle Turris, Tyson Berry coming to the Oilers, and he'll also give you some first-hand perspective on Mike Doc Emmerich, the great play-by-play guy, mainly heard south of the border, who is retiring after 50 years of calling hockey. But yeah, with the Oilers, they lock up Chris Russell for another year. Now, Russell, 33 years of age, and obviously, you know, the, the, what he's being, being paid has been more than his contributions to the team, I would say, even though he definitely is a hardworking player, block, blocks a lot of shots, and, you know, I think is a solid, hardworking depth player. So the money coming in uh, more in line with, with how he's used and how he likely will be used going forward, though I am a little surprised about an extension. I thought that may, might be a contract. Maybe they, they let expire, and then uh, you do something else with the $4 million. Now they're still going to have 3.75, or pardon me, 2.75, if you look at it that way. But I, I was thinking about this. Now let's let's take a look at what we expect for this year, and I'm going to go with what Ken Holland has been saying about the assumption that Oscar Kleffbaum will not play at least to start the season, whenever that is, probably mid-January or early February when the season finally starts. We still don't have an update on if Kleffbaum has had surgery, but Ken Holland has said he's proceeding as if Kleffbaum will not be there for at least start of the season. So I think you look at Kleffbaum being on the injured list. Uh, maybe the pairings are Nurse and Bear, Caleb Jones with Tyson Berry, Chris Russell with Adam Larson, William Lagason possibly around as a number seven or eight defenseman. And, you know, maybe there's still another signing. Maybe maybe a veteran-type defenseman who comes in cheap, keeps you under the cap, and, and maybe he's your number seven or your, your six, seven rotating in and out, something like that. And then, you know, perhaps Bouchard is on the team at some point. I don't know if he'll start the year in the NHL, but he's pushing hard. I would think Broberg remains in the minors for a season. All right, so that's that's for this season. So then eventually the, the season will end. <laughs> There's the obvious statement of the night. Uh, The season will end and we'll have an expansion draft for Seattle. So now Chris Russell, perhaps a little more appealing to the Seattle Kraken because he's not an unrestricted free agent. So they're, they're taking his contract on as well. So 
that way Seattle can claim a player and know they're going to have him for a year as opposed to claiming a player. And then shortly after they get him in the expansion draft, he, uh, he could become an unrestricted free agent and they don't get anybody. So there could be some possible maneuvering there where, uh, you know, maybe that's the player the Oilers wind up losing. Also looking ahead. Now we're looking way ahead here, but let's look ahead to the season that hopefully is going to start around a year from now which would be the season for which Russell has just signed an extension. Maybe he's still on the Edmonton Oilers and he's being paid more like a depth defenseman at 1.25 million, maybe a year down the road. And let's say it goes well for Tyson Barry and he comes back. Could your defenseman be something like Jones and Barry nurse and bear Broberg and Bouchard. Now in that scenario, you know, maybe they think uh, they can part with Oscar Clefbaum or maybe Barry's not there and Clefbaum's in the lineup. Obviously, they don't have Adam Larson there either since his contract is up after the upcoming season. So perhaps a year from now, Broberg and Bouchard are ready to be in the NHL. And then is Chris Russell there as your number seven? You know, making $1.25 million doesn't have to doesn't have to play a lot, doesn't have to play every night. But, he, but he's there as a veteran when you need to slide somebody in or spot somebody in because of injuries. I, I already got some texts here, people asking about, does this mean he's bound for Seattle? I, I don't think necessarily. I, I do think there's a possibility he is indeed an Edmonton Oiler for that season. But given the length of the contract, the value of the contract, I think that uh, Ken Holland is looking at this and saying, okay, what are we going to want from a 34, 35 year old Chris Russell? You're probably not going to want an every night player. You'll probably want somebody who can bring depth, bring experience, and maybe a little bit of mentorship or, or steadying on the back end when you need it. So just some possibilities, you know, uh, I mean, look, there, there's obviously a ton to iron out. So we can, we can obviously, we're obviously doing a lot of speculating here. Uh, and after the upcoming season, Adam Larson is an unrestricted free agent, as is Tyson Berry. And Clefbaum will have two years left. So I think this allows them to wait and see what happens with Berry, wait and see what happens with Clefbaum's injury, wait and see how Jones and Bear continue to develop, hopefully continue to develop. Same with Broberg and Bouchard. Are they going to be good enough to be actual full-time NHL defensemen within the next 12 to 16 months or say six to 16 months? Uh, and then maybe, you know, maybe uh, th- these are all maybes, but maybe Darnell Nurse gets moved. Maybe Oscar Kleppbaum gets moved. Maybe Tyson Berry isn't resigned. Either way, if you have some younger players ready to go and you have Chris Russell there, he could be the number seven defenseman. So I, I, I totally understand why people are asking about the expansion draft. I think that factors into it. But I think if you're Ken Holland, you can't sit here on October 21st and make the assumption that he's going to be the guy claimed in the expansion draft. I think you also have to have a provision that he could be on the team and there could be some other decisions to make. But I think given what he's getting paid and other names on the roster, what he's, you know, given what he's going to be paid for that contract extension year, that he very well could be the number seven defenseman. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Chris Russell, one-year contract extension from the Edmonton Oilers, worth $1.25 million. A little more chat on that. 
in a couple of minutes. Rob Brown coming up after the 6.30 news. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This caught my interest here, not sports-related, but one of those things that makes me wonder what they're going to say. Maybe maybe some of you saw this already. I don't know. I, I, I find stuff like this interesting. Anything to do with the, the nature of the universe and the plight of existence in general? NASA is going to announce an, uh, announce an exciting new discovery about the moon on Monday at 10 o'clock Mountain Time, streamed live on the agency's website. It says the new discovery contributes to NASA's efforts to learn about the moon in support of deep space exploration. Now, I find this fascinating. fascinating. We have new what they say is a new discovery about the moon. So what are we looking at here? Made of cheese? Oh, yeah, there have been aliens living on it all along. We just sort of missed them before. They're there. Like, what? what is this going to be? Not, I mean, not that we could have possibly learned everything about the lunar landscape. And what's it been? I mean, it's been the 70s since anybody was actually on the moon. And let's face it, they just couldn't wait to leave once they got there. So on Monday, NASA is going to announce an exciting new discovery about the moon. How come this hasn't already been leaked? How come nobody knows already what's happening? Usually when an organization says they're going to make an announcement, it leaks before the actual news conference. So uh, I don't know. Like, I'm worried it's something bad. Well, they said it's exciting, I guess. It's probably not the made of cheese thing. But I guess it could be. Aliens on the moon? Eh. I'll give it. I'll give it ten to one. Seven eight zero four nine six. If you would like to call or text, that may be all we're talking about on Monday. That's going to be good. All right. So uh, Chris Russell, new contract for the Edmonton Oilers. Pardon me, new contract extension, one year left, then an extension for the following year, which is the twenty one twenty two season. Got a couple of texts here to seven eight zero four nine six. 0063. This texter uh, says, Hi, Reid. Have always loved Chris Russell. Works hard. Veteran leadership. Not sure why so many people dump on his game. He does what he is paid to do. Perhaps nothing more, but doesn't do anything less. That is one text coming into 780-496-0063. Barry writing in. He says, Hey, Reid. All I've heard from guests on your show over this past hockey season was the importance of mobile puck-moving defensemen. Guys who can go back quickly, get the puck moving up the ice quickly. If that's the way the game is headed, why would the Oilers commit to Chris Russell for another season? It seems to me he exact he is exactly the opposite of where the game is headed. That is a text from Barry, 7804960063. All right, so differing opinions there on Russell, and I'm not surprised to hear that. He is one guy uh, out there, especially in the Oilers blogosphere, who is uh, pretty polarizing. Uh, there are some of you who say, hey, you don't measure Chris Russell's worth in stats. You don't look at goals, assists, or Corsi or things like that. He blocks a lot of shots. Uh, you know what you're going to get, Why is, whereas uh, you know other players will say he doesn't contribute to good things happening in the offensive end of the rink. He's in his own end of the rink too much, which is why he blocks so many shots, all that kind of stuff. Why has Chris Russell played uh, 846 games? over 13 seasons. Well, I think that one texture touched on it. If you're coaching Chris Russell and he's going to play 80 games, 
I think you're probably you can be pretty sure he's he's going to give you what he has in 72 or 74 games, and maybe he has six or eight off nights. And he's not a home run hitter, and he's not going to grab the headlines or be flashy, but he will he will give you what he has. And there is some value to what he has. If everybody can't being be a freewheeling puck moving Tyson Berry, Haskinen. McCarr Hughes type well you still need guys who are going to grind and hit and block shots and stand up for their teammates and all that kind of thing so look I, I still think that's hockey I I, I get it uh, what that one texture is saying there are some young speedy incredible defensemen but what makes them special is that not every defenseman can do that again I don't think this is only about Chris Russell being fodder in the expansion draft I do think um that there has to be some sort of some sort of plan that if he's not claimed how he can be an oiler during that year and i think that it's a one year deal for 1.25 million dollars that it's probably that he could be the number 7 or even number 8 defenseman uh for the season that starts one year from now gary is on the line gary thanks a lot for calling go ahead hi reed uh thanks for taking my call i did hear a rumor about what's going on on the back side of the moon there um, okay. I hear the Chinese have been up there for a few years. They've got a remote control uh, rover up there. And wouldn't you know it, they built a restaurant up there. Great food, no atmosphere. Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> that's, Sorry. That's pretty good. I, I appreciate that you called in about the moon because if you ever listen to the show, you know I go off on tangents that are often uh, science fiction related. So I'm glad that made yeah. you want to call. Yeah, you bet. No problem. Have a good day. Okay, thanks, Gary. That is uh, Gary seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. So there's the slogan for a restaurant on the moon: great food, no atmosphere. That is pretty good. Uh, Jason the Clatter writes in: I love Chris Russell. I think he has more saves in parentheses blocked shots than Javi Bulin did as an Oiler. Dave Leopard says: Hey, Reed, I love Rusty. I'm happy to hear about his extension. He is a solid defender. Uh, Dennis from Mournville says, how sustainable are NHL contracts without fans in the stands? Well, first of all, Dennis, you have to remember any, anybody that's signed for this upcoming season, um, are going to get a prorated salary, right? If they play 60 games, then they'll get three quarters of their salary. But yes, I mean, that's why the NHL has come out and said that it's probably the salary cap probably will not go up for three, four, maybe five years because they don't expect revenue to go up. But big picture financial stuff, man, I don't know if I can can speculate on that right now, but uh, fair question for sure. The Big L says, read the Russell signing made me think of this. Let's say the season starts in early January 2021 and runs 48 to 50 games. And Taylor Hall signed for $8 million to play in Buffalo. So he'd be paid a little over $163,000 per game as opposed to $98,000 per game on an 82-game schedule. In these crazy times, do, do GMs or the NHLPA take this into consideration? Well, again, the salaries are, are going to be prorated unless there's some different agreement with the... Uh, with the NHLPA, but that's the plan right now. So if, if you sign for $8 million, yes, that's your cap hit, and they'll still figure out the cap, but the players won't actually get that amount of money. They'll have to take a, a prorated amount. 
this texter says this fills the agreement that one defenseman who's played a certain amount of games is available for the Seattle draft and the Oilers can protect Nurse, Bear, and Jones, let Larson's contract expire, and let Clefbaum be on injured, the injured list. That's less than protect as many as six defensemen as part of the arrangement. And if anyone is picked, it would be Russell. Also, with an extension like this, you may reduce the AAV of his salary cap hit over uh, a two-year period. I, I think that... I think his cap hit for the upcoming year remains the same. I, I don't know if that gets factored into the extension. I, I think the existing contract, I think he's still a $4 million hit for this year, and then he'd be 1.25 after that. But I get what you're saying about the uh, maneuvering for the expansion draft. Uh, Al says, Chris Russell is a Charlie Huddy type defenseman, quietly goes about his work, doesn't get noticed much, but you don't win without him. Uh, I, I, I would think Charlie Huddy would have been a better offensive player than, than Chris Russell. But yeah, on that Oilers team, Huddy was often, often behind the scenes compared to some of the stars that they had. 780-496-0063. Rob Brown is coming up inside sports on Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Top of the second, Tampa Bay 1, L.A. Dodgers nothing. Game 2 of the World Series. Uh, thanks for the texts about uh, Chris Russell getting a contract extension today. We'll bang out a few of those as we continue throughout the show. And uh, somebody texted in about escrow. And, and yeah, the, the players, th- this is going to be a really strange time for hockey uh, finances for the for the people doing the balance sheets and for players in terms of what they're actually going to take home. We've talked a lot, especially around free agency, how uh, a five million dollar contract in one state or province could net you way more take home pay than in another state or province once you factor in the the, the state or the provincial income tax. So you know that's one thing that affects it. But escrow is basically. You know, when they when they say when they they when they do the salary cap for an upcoming season, that's that's actually just an estimate because they base it on the estimate of what the total revenue is going to be for the season, and it has to be a fifty fifty split at the end of the year. The players get half in salaries in in total salaries for all seven hundred or whatever players in the league, and then the owners get the other half. So, if there's uh, but there's no guarantee that they're going to reach that amount. So that's why the players put a little bit into escrow. And if the projections fall short, then some of the escrow gets transferred to the owner's side. So it's exactly a 50-50 split. And, you know, the escrow could be much higher than usual in the upcoming seasons because of the uncertainties about revenue. And yeah, if they don't play 82 games, the contracts are based on 82 games. So you could be getting a prorated contract plus paying more into escrow, which maybe you're going to ultimately lose. So look, hockey players, you know, you know, they're well paid and some, especially the guys at the, at the hot end, but uh, at the high end. Uh, but having said that, you know, some hockey players aren't at the high end and you know, they don't know what they're going to do when they're done playing hockey. So it could affect their income and maybe how they, they plan for the future. Anyway, a little bit of a, a financial lesson, as I understand it. Rob Brown's on the line. Rob, you would have played, I mean, you 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 played before the CBA and the salary cap. So did, you never had to worry about escrow or stuff like that, did you? No, I never worried about escrow and never worried about making big money. So it went <laughs> hand in hand for me. 
But uh, you, we're talking about that escrow, though, and I've talked about it with a, a few players and ex-players lately. I mean, guys say Connor McDavid makes $12 million. He might make $6 million next year. I mean, it might be 50% escrow. If they only play 48 games, if there's no fans in the stands, there's no, uh, I mean, the owners aren't going to be making the money they have made. I mean, is the escrow, is it 50% of the contract? Is it more? And when does it get back to normal? It could be a while. So all the the contracts that you see right now, what they're making, the NHL players are not going to be making their full contracts next year for sure and possibly for the next few years. Yeah, that I mean, it, it is uncertain what the league is going to earn. Uh, and I mean, obviously, the TV deal is based on 82 games. And yes, they wanted to get the playoffs in this year, and that's where they make a lot of revenue. But, but a lot of uncertainty in... It is, uh, I mean, the salary cap, they've said it, it probably won't go up. I mean, some some people are estimating that it could be five years before the salary cap increases. So, you know, you're not going to have a lot of wiggle room and the teams that have value contracts are, are going to be uh, have a little bit of an advantage. Though you played, uh, well, you played in Pennsylvania, you played in Illinois. Uh, I think you might have been in... Michigan, if you were with Kalamazoo for a while, you might not have been there very long. You played, uh, uh, you played Hartford, obviously Connecticut. So, did you, how aware were you at the time of the differences in the state income tax, or did you have somebody look after that for you? I, I wasn't that aware of it. I, I think that most players knew that in the minors, if you played in Nevada, there was no state tax. Most players knew that if, I think it was the NHL in Florida. I don't believe there it was either no state tax or a low state tax. And the players were very uh, aware of the fact that if you played in Canada, you were taxed quite higher, especially if you played in, in Quebec. So I don't know. I mean, all the other states, all the other cities, it was fairly close. But you knew the ones with the big difference, the ones that were really, really high and the ones that were really, really low. Now, having said that, only certain players get to make that decision on which place they're going to. The majority of players that are playing in the NHL are really take the taking whatever contract they can get so they're not really looking around at tax benefits at certain cities because usually it's like here's a contract you want it yes i do thank you very much (laughs) well some guys get to shop a little bit rob it's just not luxuries you and i have had in our careers (laughs) no no yeah well 630 ted wants us yes we're there absolutely every single day bring me back uh, all right, so Chris Russell gets a one-year extension. Had some good discussions, some good texts in the in the first half hour. Uh, certainly, maybe somebody they can make uh, available in the expansion draft. I, I do think Ken Holland has to have a plan that if he is an Oiler uh, after next season for for the year of the contract extension, how he's going to be used. He's being paid like he'd be, you know, really a number seven defenseman. This texter says, uh, I would take four more Chris Russells any day, LOL. We need more effort back there, blocking shots and working hard. Look at any team that wins the cup. They do a lot of blocking and back-end work, but I understand the business and the fact that we need uh, offensive defensemen. Also, that being said, I'm looking forward to seeing Barry and the young Bronx coming up too. The Fawn says Chris Russell is a bad signing, period. Shows the Oilers have not learned from the last two cup winners. Big, strong defenders with teeth and experience. I'm concerned that the organization has been okay going to war with these defensemen that are uh, too young, small, and weak. I assume you mean and or weak since Chris Russell is... uh, uh, is no longer young, and I wouldn't describe him as weak, even though he's small. Look, I, I read a text, though, in the first half hour where a texter said, Reed, I listen to your show, and everybody who comes on says, mobile, puck moving, Makar, 
Haskinen, Barry, uh, the Jones with Columbus, you know, you know who I'm talking about, Hughes, all these types of players. So why commit to a Chris Russell for another year? And I said, well, but the reason that those guys stand out is because they're special. <laughs> I mean, there are still there are still the Chris Russells of the world who do play and have roles. But it's an interesting well, debate. It is. Uh, you also, when when teams are built, they're not just built on analytics. They're not just built on uh, what you see on the ice. Uh, good teams have players with character that are on there because of their character, because of what they bring in the dressing room, because of the experience, because of the leadership qualities. Uh, I can tell you for a fact that uh, every team in the National Hockey League player-wise would love to have a Chris Russell on their team because of, of the effort level that he gives, the commitment that he gives each and every time he steps on the ice. Uh, some nights it's not as pretty, but he's got the respect of the players. I, there, there's not a single player in that dressing room that isn't excited about Chris Russell getting another year. So uh, everyone, I mean, the players that you were naming, the others aren't going to get any of those players. I mean, they're, they're trying to sign a number six slash seven defenseman. So when you start talking Heskin and, and McCarr and all those, those are guys, those are the number one defensemen on certain teams. So you can't compare Chris Russell or players like, like, like that to, to six or seven defensemen. Six or seven defensemen have roles. Uh, they are usually glue type players. Uh, they're kind of guys that uh, stand up in a dresser and are heard and are listened to. And uh, a leadership to, to bring young. The Oilers have got a lot of young players. A lot of young players on the back end. And they want them to learn the game the proper way. Uh, how to be a professional. How to bring work ethic. How to bring uh, a battle level. All of those things Chris Russell has. So I think as much as you talk about the expansion and have, where he's going to be at the end of this contract, I think they also want, uh, as a coaching staff, they want Chris Russell in the dressing room with the young players teaching them the proper way to be a professional hockey player. Yeah, he's one of those players, Rob, whenever he comes up, it just it just seems people are, are one side of the, the spectrum or, or the other. But I, I said in the first half hour, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I get I get the criticisms of his game to a certain extent, but he's played over 800 games for a reason. I mean, he hasn't had a dozen coaches or whatever that are all stupid and are putting him in the lineup when he shouldn't be. And I, and I just think with Russell you you more or less know what you're going to get. He, I mean, he's not going to go out and have a goal and two assists at the end of the night, but he, he's reliable. And you know from every coach you've ever had, they will say, okay, do you want a guy on your team that two games out of 10, he's going to be a nine out of 10, but the other eight games, he'll be a two or a three. Do you want that guy or do you want a guy who's a seven every night? Most coaches will probably take the guy who's a seven every night. They will, and I think a great example, I mean, the Dallas Stars went to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they had Secker on their defense, and he got run out of this town. We took, I don't know how many phone calls you and I took after games. They can't have Secker on the team. He's no good. He's lost a step. He's not good enough. But the one thing about Secker, he gave you an honest effort every night. He was a, a good veteran, good leader. Uh, guys liked him, and he fills a role. He filled a role for the Dallas Stars. And you're not going to have all studs on the back end. You can't. First of all, uh, you can't afford to have six studs on the back end. You've got to have guys that are role players on your third and fourth line, and your five and six defense and five, six, seven. Secker did it for Dallas. He went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Chris Russell is going to do that for the Edmonton Oilers. Be a six, seven defenseman. 
Rob Brown joining us then at Inside Sports. Uh, there was an interview with Brian Burke on sportsnet.ca, and of course he's on with Bob every week, and he has a, a new book out. And Brian Burke was asked the worst prospect you ever interviewed, and he said Nail Yakupov, who the Oilers picked first overall in 2012, and he was asked why that one went sideways. So I'll just kind of sum up what Burke said here, Rob, and, and, and you obviously read this interview as well. Burke basically said the Maple Leafs were picking fifth, Yakupov was acting like he shouldn't even have to interview with that team because he was going to go first. And then Burke also says um, that he thought that Yakupov looked like he quit trying in the OHL playoffs and because he was unhappy with his coach. And Burke said, do you think that's a good response? And Yakupov responded by saying, that's not a question. And Yakupov was told to answer it. And, uh, Yakupov wouldn't answer and Burke basically just gave up on the interview and and that was it I gotta admit Rob I I was surprised to read this and I'm not questioning Brian Burke's account of what happened because I don't think he would write a book with with false or exaggerated information but I was surprised to read that on one level I you know I had a regular media player relationship with Yakupov He, he was available he did his best to answer the questions his English you know was decent he certainly went through stretches where he didn't have confidence, but he was never snotty or standoffish or, or anything like he was with Brian Burke. So a, from a standpoint of knowing the guy professionally, I was surprised to read that. And then B as someone you would think would want to make a good impression on NHL managers. I was very surprised to read. That's how he acted in the interview. Well, it's funny. He he had Yakupov and he wouldn't have, but had Yakupov fallen to number five, the Toronto Maple Leafs wouldn't have drafted him. So the first pick overall, if he went to five, they weren't taking him. The one thing that I can tell you from years of experience, being from playing and then from post-hockey, a lot of times fan favorites, and Yakupov for a lot of people is a fan favorite, are not dressing room favorites. There's a lot of times players will put on a different personality, persona, for media, for fans, than they will in a dressing room. And I, there's a, a number of players that have come through well, all the organizations around around the National Hockey League. That every all the fans, I love that guy. He's great. I don't know why he's not playing. He's got to get more ice time. They're not treating him fairly. But if they knew what the player was like in the dressing room, they knew what his work habits were, what his attitude was, what he was like off the ice, what he's like in the gym. They they don't see that, and a lot of players disguise that. Um, there was a lot of red flags with Neil Yakupov, and. Uh, the, 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 what Burke was talking about in the playoffs, Yakupov wasn't happy with his coach in the playoffs and just quit playing. Didn't even try in, in, in the playoff games. And that's what Burke was asking about. Now that right there, I don't know if you can get a bigger red flag than that if you're drafting this kid and you're going to build a franchise around him. Or I mean, he's a franchise-type player going number one overall. Not surprised at all by it. I... I have a ton of respect for brian burke i don't always agree with everything he says but i do appreciate that he is honest to a fault when he says things and the fact that he wrote it i would i mean you haven't seen anyone come out and dispute it so it doesn't surprise me about yakupov and it showed in his play but the one thing that we saw with yakupov that uh, we had people calling our show saying they got to play him more they got to give him ice time with this player with that player and we kept saying well he's not doing the little things right and time and time again, he'd have opportunities, and he wouldn't do the little things right. So you're not going to gain ice time and gain good graces with coaching staff if you don't. That, to me, that shows arrogance. 
Yeah, I'll have to read Brian Burke's book. I'm sure there are some uh, very interesting tales in it. <laughs> You know, well, I, 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 I'm really interested too. I, I think I saw it was on one of the sports channels um, webpage, and I read. I think yeah, there was two different excerpts from it, and both were incredibly interesting. They talked about the the Kessel trade. Uh, they talked about uh, players that he wanted to sign and and couldn't, and and then he talked. And it's funny too. Fans always they always clamor for uh, we got to get this player we got to get this player and then they don't and they're mad and then two three years down the road geez i'm glad we didn't get the guy and he talked about brad richards in it that they tried making a big push for getting him in i think it was toronto they for, they offered 42 million he didn't want it went for 60 million to the rangers and turned out to be an absolutely incredibly bad contract so sometimes uh what you wish for is and you don't get it, it turns out better for you. And that was one of the stories Burke talked about. So, yeah, I'm excited about reading that book as well. All right, Rob, uh, what, what are you into? Are you following the World Series? I mean, obviously the NBA ended, uh, I, don't, I can't remember now, a week and a half ago or, or something. So that's <laughs> over. LeBron uh, helped the Lakers win another one. Uh, Tampa Bay's up one nothing tonight so far in the Dodgers. The Masters are still coming up. I was talking about that last night. That'll be fun to see it in November. Are you, are you watching anything right now? A lot of NFL, I- too. I, I enjoyed the NBA. I thought they did a great job with with their playoff format. I, I I'm watching football. I'm a I, well. I, I like offensive players. So big New Orleans, big Green Bay, big Kansas City fan. So I'm watching them. And then the, I'm looking forward to the Masters. It's going to be weird watching. It's always on at my during my birthday. So it's going to be weird watching it in November. But it's the weird thing. I have yet to watch a baseball game. I don't know why, but I have yet to watch a baseball game, and I don't think starting now because I've got absolutely zero interest in it. But, <laughs> uh, other than that, and it's, to me, it's just wait and see if, if we're going to be, you and I are going to be working again this year. I hope we are, um, but I don't know. The way the world is right now, I'm not sure if and when the NHL does start. Well, I don't think it'll be January 1st, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I just don't think they can have us take a season off. I mean, I think they'll find a way. You know, the NFL is kind of pushing through despite some games that have been rearranged. And, and speaking of Brian Burke, he said it with Stoffer last week. In Canada, of course, people love the NHL. But in some markets, if you go away for too long, maybe some people realize they don't actually miss you and don't come back. So well, I, I do think they've got to be wary of that. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. All of a sudden, you have a little extra money in your pocket. Hey, where did this money come from? Oh, that's right. The Florida Panthers haven't played in, in, in a year. So that's why I got the money, and I bought a new hot tub with it instead. So I agree. It comes down to money, though. It's whether it costs more money to play it without fans or to sit out a year and wait for the the vaccine to come and then start fresh the following year. I hope it's not that, but you just don't know. Hey, Rob, thanks for checking in. Like I've said, we'll keep having you on Inside Sports. Uh, we miss doing the game, so we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, sounds good, Reed. Take care. That's Rob Brown, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Scott in Calgary writing in to 780-496-0063 says, Reed, I was a little surprised by the Cowboy re-signing at first 
primarily because I was sure that the GM would try to trade him just for cap room. However, after learning about the expansion draft requirements and hearing what Rob was talking about, what guys like Russell bring to the team in the locker room, I'm very happy that he's coming back, especially as insurance and as a 6-7 defenseman. That is Scott in Calgary. Thanks for tuning in from Calgary, Scott. Much appreciated. Oh, we got to do the news and weather. It's probably going to be cold. Bugs me. Pierre Maguire's coming up. Longtime booth mate of Doc Emmerich, who's hanging up the mic after 50 years. Pierre will talk about some of the Oilers' moves as well. And A.J. Gass from the double E football team, former linebacker, now special teams coordinator, all in the next hour. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.